Good evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you are. My name is Evan. Welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's up, Matt? What's going on, everybody? Uh, For me, I don't know why, but this week just felt really, really drug out. I don't know whether it was like the lack of sports on the weekend. I don't know, or like the the premier because it just felt empty with no prem games on the weekend yeah um it was it was a strange like a uh, week in sports i think um a lot of news came out though a lot of news a lot of trades a lot of you know uh maneuvering around it seems especially in the nba you know everybody wants to get out of that western conference they don't want Daddy LeBron to fuck on them for too long. They have to come to the East now. It's interesting that when LeBron was in the East, everybody wanted to move West. And now that LeBron, right. you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and now that LeBron's in the West, everybody wants to move East. Um, it's just an interesting thing. You know, every, everyone is afraid of LeBron, as they should be. He's continually, you know, proving to everyone that he still got it at, at age 36. Um, I want to quick apologize if, if you're a... Uh, YouTube viewer for the way that things look. My my camera seems to be a little strange today. Also, I'm I'm wearing like my I just got off the golf course, so I'm wearing I'm wearing my golf clothes still. Um, so sorry for my appearance. It's not very casual. Oh yeah, I saw your Brazil jersey. Who who do you have on the back? Anybody or no? No, it's just plain regular. Yeah, classic Brazil kit. Mm-hmm. Is that old or is it pretty new? I got it a couple of years ago. I've yeah. always wanted a Brazil jersey. Just like it was just, it's like vintage. It yeah. just stands out so much. Classic. Um. So so we'll get into uh we'll get into our our prem games here. Um. Did you want to touch on the on the NBA trade or or not really? I mean, I'm saying one. It was a four way trade, but obviously you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, there were a lot of different things. The the Nets have put all their eggs in the basket of James Harden. They gave up a bunch of picks, a bunch of players. Oh, I think players, I lost players. Them. There you go, you're back. They're they're going they're going for the short term over the long term right now. Yeah, so I mean it, it Yeah, they're just short they're going short term versus long. The way that I see it is if they don't win this year, if they don't if they don't get to the finals this year, this trade was a bust. If they don't win the finals by next year it was a mega bust and they're going to be rebuilding for at least 10 years um because they traded away youth they traded away Karis Levert who is one of if not you know um in my opinion one the most underrated player in the NBA he puts in an amazing offensive shift every time he comes off the bench for them he's a great sixth seventh option always he's very consistent he scores a lot they gave him away uh, they gave Jared Allen away. They gave away four first four picks and four swaps. So that's a lot, and and that obviously involves some other teams too. That some of those picks and swaps went to, but Kyrie Irving is an issue. We'll say to say the least. Um, he's not playing all the time because he's focusing on other things. He's focusing on his social justice and. Um, it, it I, I tweeted earlier this week, um, it's unfortunate that I drafted Kyrie this year because he's decided that he wants to be in the House of Representatives instead of on a basketball court. And I understand that social justice is important to him, and I, I can appreciate that. And I think that if, if that's the avenue he wants to pursue and he wants to you know use his money and his platform and whatever else to make change in that sector, then I, I applaud him for it. I, I think that he absolutely should. However, oh, it looks like you're having some issues with your... Uh, Suction cup decided to take a shit. That's, that's all right. That's the last straw. Yeah. Um, although, if you know, if he wants to keep playing basketball, then I think he needs to be a basketball player first. And I'm not one of those, you know, shut up and dribble guys. I, I That's just not how I see it. I understand that, you know, with a platform comes the responsibility to speak out on things that you find as, you know, uh, unjust. And and that's fine. And I appreciate it, like I said. But you have to be on the court to keep your platform in the first place. And I think that Kyrie's money and Kyrie's time um, are are important in, in getting his message out. But if he retires or gets off the court... And it loses some of the effect 
or I don't, and some some people may say that it would gain an effect that he would give up you know basketball the sport that he played his entire life to go and pursue uh, the social justice avenue, but it's it's an issue uh, for the Nets, right? That's that's the the line or the the point here. It's an issue for the Nets. Uh, the GM has no idea, really. He's saying he, you know, they can't wait for Kyrie to get back. Kyrie's excited to play, but I don't think so. Um, he had an issue with the Steve Nash hiring. I don't think he's a fan of D'Antoni, who's the um, assistant there. And obviously, D'Antoni is is part of the reason why Harden wants to go there. That's his guy. D'Antoni turned him into an MVP. He gets him the shots he wants. And Kyrie's a ball hog a little bit. He likes to do everything. Uh, and, and Harden's the same way. So it's going to be an issue between those two, I think. And and if Kyrie doesn't play, then I think um, Harden and the Nets are better off. But we'll have to see. I mean, that's that's speculation. Sorry, yeah, it'll be it'll be uh, it'll be very interesting to see. That's good insight there. Yeah, and and NBA is like kind of my, especially when it comes to the rumor mills and the, the way that the players behave and stuff like that. Like that's my bread and butter. I, I pay attention a lot to that. Same way that I do with with the Premier League, right? It, it's harder to do in the NFL because um, it's so big. You don't have to be informed. You can just watch, like you you can literally watch Red Zone and understand how players behave. Whereas in the NBA, um, a lot goes on behind the scenes, and you have to kind of sit and listen to the rumors to know what's going on. Uh, and I always love that. Ky- Kyrie is, I think, an unbelievably talented player. I mean, I've never in my life seen a guy with handles like that that can finish at the rim like that and that can hit the, the clutch shots like that. Um, but he's a fucking head case, and he's been like that forever. I mean, he didn't want to be the second guy in Cleveland when he's behind LeBron, the greatest player of all time, the one who won him a ring. Um, and he didn't he, he didn't like Boston. He had an issue with the uh, with the coaching situation. So he can't get along with anybody. I don't know how he was getting along with Durant. Durant said it was distant, so I don't know. I think that the Nets have to at least get to the finals this year. Otherwise, this was a bust. Yeah, I think this is the best time for them right now because with uh, still the season is dealing with COVID. Mm-hmm. Like last night, you had the Sixers and the Heat. The Heat both had mo- several guys out with COVID, more hurt in the Heat turning into the result it finished, but... Um, Houston still has other problems in other sports, like with uh, Deshaun Watson. Now he's wanting out, same reasons, yeah, with the social justice and all that. So I mean, I think that's an even bigger issue for Hughes, the Texans, because their whole franchise is built around him. Well, th- there's some rumors going that that you know Watson might be the next guy uh, to to helm the ship in Pittsburgh. And I've heard some, I've heard some other potential landing spots too, but I know that a lot of of ball teams are are looking for him and looking at him. And I think he's a great player. I think he's very talented, both running and throwing. Uh, he's more of like that best of both worlds. Whereas like you have Lamar, who is a pure runner. I think Watson can do both, and he's not quite as quick as Lamar. Uh, well, or, didn't he? I'm pretty sure he led the league in passing yards this year, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He, yeah, yeah, he did, and and that's. I think you have to take that stat with a grain of salt because there is um there's a lot of garbage time yards in his true, that's very true. just just because the the Texans suck so fucking bad and that's not that's not necessarily Watson's fault. I mean he he lost his receivers. They traded away Hopkins because the GM is incompetent there. Uh well it was Bill O'Brien, right? Yeah, it was yeah. it was O'Brien. He was the head coach and the GM, which you just don't want to do unless you're a fucking genius. Uh, they lost, they lost Hopkins obviously. And then, uh, Will Fuller, Will Fuller got popped for steroids and he lost his best receiver really. Um, all he was left with was, uh, Cooks and QT. Yeah. Cooks and, and what's his name? Kiki. QT. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're not bad receivers. I'm not going to say that Cooks and, and QT are bad receivers, but they're obviously not of the same caliber as Will Fuller or and especially of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, although Hopkins fell off this year, he's obviously a great receiver still. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Watson, I think he he's doing he's making the right decision by by looking for other landing spots. Unless Houston really want to pay him and give him everything, and then on top of that, promise to him that they'll get a better team behind him, then I just don't think it makes sense for him to stay. And 
We'll have to see. Yeah, it does. You're right. Uh, Houston's kind of having a sporting team issue here. Yeah. Uh, what else was there for us to talk about? Oh, your boys lost. Ohio State lost. Yeah, that that kicked off the the bad the badness of the week, uh, and to even put more misery on that, I put a hundred bills on the Bucks to win. Oh, I mean the first quarter. You just saw from how the tempo of the game was going, Ohio State was playing catch up. Oh yeah, that the offense for Alabama was just on another level. I don't know if any college football team in history could have kept up with them. Maybe yeah. just last year's LSU team. That game probably would have been seventy to seventy-two, but Ohio State's offense just couldn't keep up with them. And then our defense is constantly out there, and there's just nothing they could do with the the motion plays with. Um, whatchamacallit, with Devontae Smith, yeah, um, Najee Harris in the back. And Mac Jones was never touched, really. He was strip-sacked the one time, which was huge at the time in the game. But uh, the thing that pissed me off even more was Jason Waddle was 10 weeks after a fractured ankle, and he was playing in the game. Like I don't know how he physically could have been doing that. He looked in agony every time he finished a play but he still followed through and i respect him for that but you got guys like sean wade in them that can't even keep up with a guy with a half broken ankle that just really pissed me off but i i'm not i'm not bitter i don't think they should have won the game they clearly were outmatched but it was just kind of disappointing yeah um well i saw yesterday mac jones um declared for the draft what, where, he's not even considered a first round pick. Right I now. I know, man. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's an NFL star. Like there's n- there's nothing that I've seen in his game that leads me to believe he would be hyper successful in the NFL. N- nothing. I the saw pass rush game is totally different in the NFL. And when exactly. he's in a situation with a collapsing pocket, he's ass. He's gonna get fucking absolutely hammered because he's gonna go to a sh- well, assuming he goes to. He'll be. I I see him going maybe early late. second round, maybe third. I was gonna say late second round or early third. I just don't because right now a lot of people have Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, of course, they, they have Justin um, Justin Fields. Yeah, um, and the Zach Wilson out of BYU. Those are like a lot of the top three ones right now. Obviously, yeah. you have Kyle Trask from Florida, like we mentioned, Mac Jones. And there's probably one or two other ones in there too, but I think this year is a strong quarterback class. So if you're if you're a franchise in the NFL that's looking for a quarterback, this is a year to, to go for it. Yeah, they're saying it's just an overall stacked class in general, right? Of of talented players. So yeah, well, we'll have to see. I I don't necessarily see Mac Jones being anything crazy. I don't know why he would declare for the draft here. I mean, he how many more years does he have? one if that and i think next year he'd be towards the top end that's what i mean i would just wait i think from a business point of view if you're trying to make the most money from these signing bonuses you would wait until like trevor lawrence and them are gone because that's what everybody's talking about now that urban meyer has been officially announced as the jacksonville head coach he's obviously going to take trevor lawrence but there's always going to be skip uh speculations that he's going to take justin fields but i don't see him doing that i think trevor lawrence is made for the NFL and he's ready and he's he'll he'll fit right into that system and Jacksonville's up there with the most salary cap room so there's going to be a lot of guys looking to go to to Florida this year to play with Lawrence. So they have an absolute fuck ton of picks. Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. He can Urban Meyer can essentially pick his team. I think they have 9 picks think, this year towards it 11. Oh, it's 11. Okay. In yeah. like in the top three rounds. Like, they have a fuck ton of picks. Yeah, there's uh, some good ones. Like, a, a crazy amount of picks that I, I didn't... Like, I, I looked yesterday, and I, I said, holy shit. I think them and the Jets both had two picks in the first round. So, I mean, they, they should be able to get themselves a young core of, of players, hopefully, who want to follow Urban and, and Trevor Lawrence into battle. And the Jags could set themselves up here to contend in the next, you know, decade if they draft the right players here. I mean, in my opinion, I think the um, 
they play in the what the AFC South, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the most competitive division in the competitively in the bad. Well, the NFC's East is in there, but I think yeah. like every year I watch and like how the games finish out, those there's always it's very very close to see who the top two are and who gets through. Yeah, and it's usually not a team with a ton of wins either. No, it's 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 always they, you're it's you're right. They are they are competitive, but the thing is, like, it's it's a race to six or seven wins. Like the team that has eight yeah. wins always comes out of that division. It's just a sh- shit division. Yeah, this year was an exception with the the Colts and the right. Titans both right. finishing eleven and five. Yeah, and I mean, the Colts for a while there were really shitty, and and they're they're much better now. Uh, they'll be looking for a new quarterback soon. I, I was talking about this on Wake Up Wednesday. You know, Rivers, he's he's not going to get it done forever. I don't even think he's going to get it done for next year. Uh, we'll have to see, but... um, Let's see. Is there anything else I wanted to talk about? Not really. The Eagles fired Doug Peterson, obviously, which is great. Uh, still no idea who the head coach will be. I've heard Brian Dabble, the uh, Bills OC. I've heard they're looking at uh, fucking, uh, I forget his name. I'm going to blank on it, so I'm just going to move on past it and forget I was thinking about it. But uh, the Jets hired. Yeah, the Niners defensive coordinator got scooped up by the Jets. Yeah, Robert Saleh. Was he the defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator? Defense. Okay, yeah, he that was that would have been a great pickup for the Eagles. He's, he's a very talented coach, smart guy too. Um. The Jets picked him up. That's a that's a very surprising move for the Jets. I thought they would hire somebody absolutely ridiculous and unfit for the job. I thought that they would wind up with Peterson. Yeah, I think as long as the Eagles don't take any of the guys that just got fired, I think they'll be okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, we'll we'll let that be enough for our um other sport talk. That was nice to talk about other sports for a minute. Mm-hmm. We'll change your pace. Yeah. Um, so after that recap, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead now and get into the Premier League matches that happened this week. Sorry, I'm getting a ton of messages. The Wizards and Cavs game today, tonight, and tomorrow night were just postponed. Uh, NBA's melting. Uh, okay, so Burnley, Man United. This game went off on the twelfth. A Paul Pogba volley. Was the difference? A Paul Pogba volley in the seventy-first, an absolute cracker, put United top of the table. United dominated this game, but couldn't get anything going really, anything solid until the second half. Um, did you watch this? I, I wasn't necessarily impressed with their play. I'm, I'm, you know, it's it's nice to see that they're they're going top of the table, and, and Liverpool's not there. But I thought this was a poor performance from this United team. Yeah, it was it, they like you said they did dominate the game, but quickly I want to note um, for our picks for these games, you went three and three, and I went four and two for the week. All right, so one of our better weeks, but yeah, back to the game. Yeah, United controlled possession of the game. Uh, Burnley had some chances on the counterattack, but very few. Uh, there was one moment where VAR played a big part. Um, United cleared the ball out of the back. Luke Shaw with a with a hard challenge. Uh, quick counterattack to go up the other end, and I think the fullback for Burnley takes out uh, Rashford. Or no, not they. T- he took out Cavani. Yep. And then it was a VAR review, and everybody thought it was going to be a red card and a free kick for United. But find out it's going all the way back to the Luke Shaw tackle, <laughs> and he gets a yellow card. So it was a big. That took about three minutes to figure out. Yep. And yeah, there there were plenty of chances. Um, yeah, like you said, Pogba off the volley. It was a sweet-looking goal. took a mm. little deflection, but um, they just couldn't capitalize on their chances. Nick Pope's a great in these games. He's he had so six good. saves. He, he keeps Burnley in all of these games, pretty much. That's why they concede very few goals. Um, I just don't know. This is like a United team that just... They're playing a championship level where... But what I mean by that is... These games, they're scraping them out. They yeah. do what they can to get the wins, and that's what championship teams do. Yep. So them and City right now are my top two teams. If we had to make power rankings, I'd probably put Man City above United. Mm-hmm. But those two teams right now are in prime form to climb the table. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Um, United is not playing a beautiful style whatsoever. I mean, this is not this is not um, anything like um, what Liverpool were like when they were at their pinnacle. This is a this is a, a grinded out style of of ball, and it's ugly. It's not entertaining to watch. I don't think every once in a while you'll get the odd game where. They put six or five or whatever past, but a lot of the times it seems like the link up between, you know, the back four and the midfield is severed. And I think Pogba playing better has, has mended that a little bit and he has been playing better. I think that's important to note, but I don't know if they have the longevity. I don't know if they're going to be able to scrape by some of these games towards the end. They face Liverpool this weekend, which will be interesting, really interesting. Yeah, and they just brought in a um, 18-year-old winger from the Italian league. They signed him over the summer, but due to different things in his contract, they had to wait until Diallo, January. right? Yeah, so I don't think he's going to make an impact this year. Yeah, he's more of a long term thing. I don't know why they would do that because they already have somebody like Marcus Rashford, mm-hmm. I'm not Rashford, um, Mason Greenwood. Greenwood. Yeah, so it's just a similar type of player in the position. Greenwood's more of a forward role. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like Cavani was invisible in that game too. By the way, he he was just non-existent. The his style of play doesn't suit to how Rashford and Martial do it. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I just think I think Martial and Rashford both are they, they play a similar style, right? Yes. Um, but Cavani doesn't have the pace to play like them anymore. He he's old, so I just think that he's probably not in terms of chemistry linked up with them quite yet. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But it's he, not even that. It's just the he need his style. He needs to get the ball crossed and kind of how like Giroud is. He needs the ball feed feed to him a lot. Yeah. And when the, he's in that six yard area and you're crossing these balls and you know, if he gets a flick, he's, it's going to be a good chance. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think he gets enough chances created for himself. I, I think, I think that's true, but I think part of that plays into the idea that he hasn't been at the club long and, right. and the, some of these young guys, like they're so used to just playing with whoever they've played with. And they're especially used to playing with younger guys who are pacey, right? And mm-hmm. they don't know where where Cavani's going to be because positioning is most of his game. That's the kind of striker that he is. And you know maybe they're just not feeling where he's at yet, or, or they're not linked up. He hasn't he hasn't played much, so I understand it. Um, but he he did look invisible. Yeah, disappointing performance from him for sure. Um, we will move on. The next game was Sheffield and Newcastle. These are your boys. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you. Uh, Head this one. I'll be right back. I get. I'm gonna run outside of my room quickly. Go ahead. Now look, guys. Sheffield United pulled an absolute dub out of the bag. They needed this win for so long. It's incredible. Every game this season, it's been like they've been edging themselves. They've gotten to a certain point where they're in the game, and then it just all falls apart. I said the previous week that they were going to win against Palace. They did not, and I went all in on them again against Newcastle. Like I said, Newcastle's form and their their striking their strike force with Wilson and Jolington has been poor. And the way that Newcastle came out in this game, they come out in their usual five four one. You're you're coming up against Sheffield United, who hasn't gotten a single win this year in seventeen matches, and you're coming out in a five in the back formation with only one striker so right from the start newcastle was setting themselves up to get absolutely clapped and um phone's going off but sheffield dominated this game in possession they handily they handily controlled the game uh newcastle didn't do themselves any favors with um ryan frazier winger came back after a couple weeks of not playing he comes back in on the left side gets a yellow card in the 40th and about four minutes later gets another yellow card. So they, so he gets a red. Now Newcastle's going into the half zero zero with 10 men getting absolutely bossed by in possession. And every chance they get Sheffield's defense is up to the challenge. So it was pretty bland. It was a very bland game. Very route one esque. Uh, Cal Wilson couldn't do very much for Newcastle. 
uh, John Joe Giuselvi did not play in the midfield. They rotated. They had uh, Isaac Hayden and one of the Longstaff brothers in there. So it it, it took an 86-minute penalty for Sheffield to get the win, Billy Sharp getting it. And after the game, it was nice to see all the players celebrating and whatnot. I mean, they still sit in last place, now on five points, only three behind West Brom on 19th. So I think with this win, they can get some sort of momentum going to where they can can get used to that style of play, kind of grind these games out. Uh, they're not gonna get. They're not gonna get any favors next week because they come again. Uh, come up against Tottenham on Sunday, so it'll be interesting to see how Mourinho comes out in that game. If it's their usual sit back and counter and let Sheffield kind of control the tempo, or if they're gonna dominate the game like uh, a big club like they are should be. So it'll be interesting to see if Sheffield can continue this momentum and carry on to get more points and try to get out of that relegation zone. But it's if if Sheffield manages to get out of this situation, it'll probably be the best the best escape in the Premier League. It'll be the best escape I've ever seen. In the Prem ever. Yeah, I was, Newcastle just looked absolutely terrible in this game. That was basically what I wanted to say. Yeah, they played like dog shit. Can't be letting Chris Wilder's boys, who have been looking for their, well, him who has been looking for his 100th win for four months now, can't be letting them get it at home. Yeah. Um, Next game, you, you went over that one. Sorry about that. I had to run downstairs. No, I just told, I just talked about the Sheffield game. Okay. Uh, Next game was Wolves-Everton. Everton got lucky here. A 77th goal by Michael Keane. He scored quite a few this year. Um, saved them from sharing the points. A Alex Iwobi goal in the sixth. Arsenal product Alex Iwobi, who's actually been playing pretty well for them. Um, scored in the sixth and opened it. They uh, they didn't hold that lead for long when Ruben Neves, your boy, the king of the screamer, uh, pulled one back in the 14th and it stayed tied. Until the 77th, like I said, when Keane got his. Now, this was a fairly even match. Uh, Three shots on target for both sides. They shared the possession about 50-50. And um, I wasn't overly impressed by Everton here. I just think that that Wolves got sloppy towards the end and and let that Keane one in. Um, Really good result for Everton here. Really good to keep them up towards that top, you know, third of the table uh yep. quarter really and uh wolves will be pissed that they didn't get three or at least you know one here yeah wolves haven't been looking good recently they've lost uh three of the last five and getting no wins in the last five even so they're slipping down they're in 14th on 22 points only 10 10 points above relegation um it's looking like the Raul Jimenez injury is more significant than we thought at the start. Losing your main striker is has been essential for them, I guess, to how they play. And um, they, what what's the manager's name again? Uh, Nuno Spirito. Yeah. Nuno hasn't figured out how to to cope with it yet. So I don't know. Like we said, it was pretty even. I thought Jimenez did all right in this game. Mm-hmm. He's getting back into form. He just adds something different to Everton. It's like... They're more dynamic with him. Yeah, it's just Everton used to be just bland white rice, and now it's they have a certain spice to it now. There's a kick yeah. about when Hamas is in there. No no Calvert-Lewin this game, so they yeah. had to pick up in other departments. Awobi actually played up front this time instead of playing as a wing back. Now that Digne was back, he got an assist. Yep. So I think Everton will start picking up some more points now. From the for here on out coming, yeah, Dinya coming back is a massive bump for them. But unfortunately, they did lose Calvert Lewin in this game. Uh, he was not playing. It seems like um, he just had a, a, a hamstring pull. Uh, that's what Enchilotti said, and he said that since DCL's never had a hamstring issue before, um, they just want to kind of you know go nice and slow and, and make sure that that uh, Calvert Lewin can can gauge his his own fitness before they start to get him back into full training 
Um, and I think that's okay. I mean, they're in fifth place. They're they're really overshooting right now. Uh, I don't think any of us thought they would be top four. So while while it does, you know, it's unfortunate to not be moving up in the table. They are tied with City and Leicester, all at thirty two points. So you know, taking your foot off the gas for one fixture, two fixtures, letting your star striker get back to health. You know, it's okay. It, it, you can you can live with it. <laughs> Yeah, we will move on here. The final one that will be no, there's actually two more after this uh, that we'll be recapping. Manchester's no, nope, I'm off. This was yeah, I I wasn't gonna do that one. I was gonna do Tottenham and Fulham. Okay. Uh, Tottenham and Fulham tied one one. This game got postponed once, right? This was them playing it. Yeah, they reconfigured this one around for Fulham. Yeah, so uh, Fulham obviously had a COVID outbreak, and like it was really fucked. Like they had no first team players, um, so so they had to push this game. But it ended up going off one uh, one. Kane scored in the twenty fifth, and Ivan Cavallero scored in the seventy fourth to uh, get Fulham to the point where they could share the points. Tottenham have to be looking to get way more than a point from playing Fulham. Uh, although Fulham have, have played spoiler a couple times this season with the bigger clubs, it's just, I mean, they were just coming back from like not even being able to train because of COVID. Uh, Tottenham had a full-strength lineup, and they couldn't get it done. Tottenham are, f- like, they, they just play a very like flat Mourinho style of play, and if Kane and Son don't link up, and make some magic, ridiculous shit happen, then this is the kind of result they get. And I, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not impressed with, with Tottenham, really. I haven't been. Uh, I've watched a lot of their games, and I think outside of Kane and Son, they have a very average team. Yeah, I completely agree. That's just what Mourinho's going for. That's what he's done in the past with uh, Chelsea teams. That's what he's tried at United at times. Uh, he goes defense first and has a few star players that carry the the bulk of the attack. So it didn't come. It didn't. They didn't prevail in this game. It was they uh, lost lost focus towards the end of the game. Full on the last ten to fifteen minutes, got into it. They got their goal. Um, they even could have gotten the winner. Same with Spurs. The Regulon scored, but it was ruled off sides. So I think Fulham having all this time to rest was a big bonus for them. So they couldn't they couldn't blame this on a lack of fitness and their game against Chelsea, which was supposed to be played today as of recording, uh, got pushed to tomorrow now for a twelve thirty game. So it'll be interesting to see what the rotation is of players if he'll change it up or not. Uh, Scott Parker, but I think this is a huge point for Fulham now. They still sit at that eighteenth position in the relegation zone. They're right there below Brighton and Burnley. Um, their next run of games is going to be pretty tough for them coming up against Chelsea and then following that up with Manchester United. So it's a very, it's an interesting time to see what Fulham will do. Yeah. I'll, I'll be interested to see uh, if they can like, if they, if they can just siphon a couple points from, from this upcoming <clears throat> few fixtures, I think they could find themselves rising up and maybe taking us like where Brighton is and cementing themselves there. Um, we'll definitely have to see. I think Fulham have potential, whereas, you know, there are clubs like Sheffield where I actually just see nothing. Like, I don't, I don't see any, any sharpness there. Um, and, and Fulham were really sharp last year in the championship. So I think they could, they could rediscover that form. And I don't think Scott Parker is a bad manager by any stretch. I just, I, I think he was dealt kind of a poor hand at the beginning of the season with the whole COVID shit. I mean, it, it's hard. It's really hard to get your team performing well um, with all of these circumstances and all of these extra um, guidelines and stuff like that. Right. It, it's definitely hard. And you have, you have to feel a little bit for, for the newly promoted managers. It's not been easy for them. Yeah. And I don't think there's a better time for Fulham to play Chelsea right now with their form. Obviously yeah. they got a four no win against Morecambe in the FA cup. But that besides that, They've been in terrible form, so um, it's going to be interesting to see if Team of Werner pops up or not in this West London derby. 
Yeah, we will have to see because he is often invisible. Um, okay, Man City, Brighton. Man City managed to steal all three points thanks to a 44th-minute goal by youngster Phil Foden. He's not really as young as I always think. Like He's been playing for a couple of years now. Yeah, I think um, he's 20, 21 around there. Yeah, so uh, Foden got one in the 44th, and that was it. That was the only goal in the entire game. While City peppered Brighton uh, with shots, it didn't amount to all of that much. I figured this game would be probably 3-0. And, you know, going into the right before halftime, I wasn't sure how this was going to go because Brighton had a couple shots in the first target. They didn't look great and they didn't dominate possession. But, you know, City are not an immortal team on defense. They do concede every once in a while. And I thought I thought that they they could concede on a counterattack, uh, maybe late late on in the second, um, but then right before you know right before the whistle blew, Foden got one for them, and the tempo definitely switched. Uh, City dominated possession in the second half as well, ending the game with sixty six possession, um, percent possession rather, and and six shots on target versus Brighton and Hove Albion's one, so. It was definitely domination. The second half, I thought, was was better for for City. They they looked more lively and they they looked like they were hunkering down. But this wasn't this wasn't a necessarily wonderful game to watch. No, I think when you started talking about this game, you said they stole the three points. I don't think that's fair to say. I think they fully deserved it. Uh, the game should have been three to four nothing. You had. Um... A couple balls off the post. Mars missed yeah. a clean chance on a breakaway. He hits its wide left. Um, and Sterling in the 92nd minute shanks a penalty. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, there were plenty. Oh, I knew because fantasy screwed me. That's why uh, I know. okay. But um, I still pulled out the week. But um, yeah. six on the bounce now. Excellent. But, um, now we go into like our rivalry week. Yeah. Everybody plays like their sibling or their spouse. Yep. Um, but yeah, this game, City fully deserved it. They controlled the game. The Brighton defense held up to the best of their abilities. Uh, Attacking-wise, they've gone back into boring, uh, bland kind of play. Now that Danny Welbeck's been out, they've lost their speed up front. Uh, Mupai is inconsistent up there. Conley, March, those guys have kind of gone quiet now. Um, Brighton never can score against Man City. I said that before. Now that Man City scored one, it's twenty-one to two now. When they play each other, yeah, Brighton just never knows what to do against City. And to City's credit, the signing of Ruben Diaz has been massive for them. Yeah. I think next week, since it next week will mark the halfway point of the season, I think we can touch on our a bunch of different categories like best signing of the year, um, most improved player, and such things like that. But we'll talk about that next week, maybe. But yeah, the Man City's defense has stepped up a bit. I think Ruben Diaz has even helped John Stone's form. Uh, he plays better alongside him. And as of recently, Jao Cancelo in there has been done, not done too bad with Kyle Walker being out for various reasons. Yeah. So they've found a good, solid uh, group to play week in and week out for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, City have definitely started to improve, I think, and and they'll be looking to really contend uh, in in the second half of the season. I think I think I think they definitely will too. They're probably my odds-on favorite to win the league right now. Yeah, and they they've given the least amount of goals this year too. Right. Um, okay, the last game we're gonna recap is Arsenal Palace. I don't have a lot to say about this other yeah. than. That it was a snore fest. I mean, there were six total shots on target in this game. While Arsenal dominated possession, they never got anything concrete going. Um, I don't think they ever really looked all that threatening. And, you know, they, they are extending their, their unbeaten now to five games, uh, which is great. I mean, I'll, I'll take a point here. I, I just think that we were fully capable of, of beating this Palace team. Uh, but But I guess the end we weren't um just kind of sucky to see this end goalless but i don't know i guess it's better than than getting uh getting a loss right yeah it's very true there's always a couple of these games in your season where you don't really know what happens just it's an off day 
It was just and, flat. Yeah, really yeah, flat. And, and you're lucky the other side uh, played on par with you on the day. But um, yeah, both goalies had a couple saves to make. But other than that, it was pretty quiet. Both defenses did their job. Uh, I know Rob Holding had a, couple, a chance to score. And then um, there were a couple other guys. Uh, my main problem with Arsenal right now is they don't have a a guy to consistently rely on to score yeah. the goals are kind of spread out. You don't You're really right. have a massive goal scorer. Saka uh, is the most, I'd say, reliable one who's going to like get in there and get something done, whether it's an assist or a goal. At the start of the season, you would have thought a bombing at this point of the year would have at least 10 goals. He only sits on three, I believe, yep, now. Three. Uh, that's even behind. I think Lacazette has more mm-hmm. than him right now with four or five, but... That's saying a lot for how bad he's playing, but um, yeah, it's it's Arsenal still got the point. They sit eleventh in the table. Uh, the only problem is they've played all their games up to date, whereas everybody in front of them has games in hand. Mm-hmm. So that gap will grow. Um, so they have a big uphill battle, I would say, the next couple of weeks. They are in good form. Uh, their last four games, they've gotten ten out of twelve points. Yep. Points. So there's not, nothing you can really say bad about them there. And their next couple fixtures look decent as well. They, they, they come up against a Newcastle team on Monday who look terrible, I would say. In form-wise, they're in the bottom three. And, and then they come up against Southampton as well. So it should be strong, strong games coming out of Arsenal. Mikel's really got to pull something out of his ass here. And I did see uh, Partey get some minutes at the end too. So he's he's getting his fitness back. So that's good to see if you're in midfield. Yeah, it's huge uh, because Partey is all over the pitch when he's there. And he wins a lot of those 50-50 balls too. So I'm really excited for him to come back. Um, for a while there, I totally forgot that we even had him because he was out and yeah. he wasn't playing. And he was such a huge signing. I remember immediately as soon as he started to get time, it really looked like you know we we were bolstered in the midfield and it looked strong. So I'm ho- I'm hoping that you know he can get back in here and we don't have to give like Ceballos uh, all those minutes because I just think he's too small to be a really solid holding mid. Um, and and I'm excited. He yeah, he doesn't have that archetype that you like no. to see in a holding mid. No, you know. Um, Parte is more like Vieira, where fucking uh, Ceballos is like, I don't know, a smaller Iniesta who plays deep. It, it's just, he's not good. He's, he's just not good. Um, okay, that is it. The upcoming games, we're going to go over these quick. I have to run in like 10 minutes. Um, we have Wolves versus West Brom. Uh, Wolves will be looking, to, this game is tomorrow, uh, 7.30 is the early game. Uh, Wolves will be looking to absolutely batter West Brom. Now, we'll see. Um, I don't think West Brom are even that great defensively, even though Sam Sam Allardyce just parks the bus. Uh, we'll have to see. This this game could be like a 1-0, or it could be a 4-0. Uh, Arsenal beat West Brom 4-0, so I think that with all of Wolves' scoring options, that they could easily put you know more than two or three past the West Brom back line. We'll have to see. I'm going to take the Wolves here. How about you, Matt? I agree with the Wolves pick. Um, West Brom are the worst defense. They've given up 39 goals to this day. Uh, very poor. Mm-hmm. Um, Big Sam, I don't think there's anything he can do. Um, he could probably even get sacked by April or something if if they keep losing at this rate, but that probably won't happen. But um, I don't see a lot of goals in this game. I don't think Wolves, attacking-wise, have that form yet. Um, they've been relying more on Pedro Neto. Potence has been out recently due to fitness or illness, one of the two. Mm-hmm. And Fabio Silva isn't somebody to rely on at striker. He's an 18-year-old kid. Uh, it's his first time getting consistent game time in the league. It's his first time at all in the league. And Traore isn't the best out there either. He's very clunky on the ball, so... I could see this being a one nothing type of game, very low scoring, or even a zero zero draw. Okay, so we're we're against each other on the uh, lot of goals type of thing, but we both oh, want God. wolves. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next match, ten a.m. tomorrow, West Ham versus Burnley. I'm I'm just gonna come out and tell you, I'm I'm a Burnley guy now. 
Just oh. uh, I just like them. I like the way that they play. I think they're defensively strong, and I think that they're, every once in a while they will give you a 1-0 win where they just lock it up and get one um, just through a counterattack or something like that. I'm going to take Burnley to win here. I'm going to take them. Okay. Uh, yeah, 1-0, I think. Uh, Mikel Antonio is back, and obviously West Ham can't use Haller anymore. He's gone. He, he, he's gone to Ajax now. So... We'll have to see how West Ham play. I can see this going their way as well. Uh, but just for the, the sake of competition between you and I, I'm going to say I think Burnley win. Yeah, I think this is a strong match now that um, you mentioned Mikel Antonio being back. He has not been given a full 90 minutes, I don't think, at all this year. He, he's coming on as a sub. He's been dealing yeah. with hamstring issues. This isn't the best season for him so far. No, he's not fit. And he's a big guy. So I think for him to, to go 90 is challenging for him anyway. Mm-hmm. He's, he's very muscular, and I, I don't know if his cardio is there. I haven't watched him play full 90 in a very long time anywhere. Yeah, so I'd lean towards more West Ham here. Um, I can see Burnley pull out a result. Uh, West Ham's defense, as time has, kind of been exposed, but... Uh, Balbuena and Ogbonna have done decent. Fabianski, I think, is up there in contention for most clean sheets. Um, if you look at it head-to-head, it's pretty even as well. West Ham getting six. Burnley's... Um, I think West Ham do win this game. I think it'll be close, 2-1. to one. I don't see anybody pulling out big time. So I'd lean more towards West Ham here. And if you're a betting man, West Ham is minus 120. If you're leaning more towards Evan, a plus 370 solo bet for Burnley wouldn't be too bad either. That's great value right there. Okay, Leeds United versus Brighton. Leeds lost in the FA Cup versus like Chorley or Charlie or some terrible team. Trolley uh, Town. Yeah, so, or Trolley, yeah, however you say it. Um, I think they'll bounce back here versus Brighton. Brighton uh, obviously coming off that 1-0 defeat against City. Uh, didn't look impressive to me whatsoever. Uh, Leeds sit in 12th, five places above 17th place. Brighton, I think Leeds are that much better. And I think that they're going to give up. Uh, oh, I think my dog's over there. Uh, I think they're going to be giving quite a few goals uh, quite a few goals to Brighton here. Oh, you think it's going to be a barn burner here? I do. I really do. I think that this will be like a 3-0, 4-0 uh, Leeds win. Goddamn. Yeah, the, the if you look at it head-to-head, this is the first time these teams are ever going to meet. So it's an inaugural match. Um, Leeds is doing that a lot this season. Uh, Leeds is home. We know Bielsa's style. He's going to go out there, do his thing attacking-wise and defensively. It'll work out how it does. Yep. Um, I do agree with you. I think Leeds wins here. I think they do win by a lot. I But I do think Brighton gets one squeaky goal maybe late on. Okay. So I think this could be a 2-1, 3-1 type game. All right, so we're both going with Leeds. Next game, Fulham-Chelsea. I know Fulham are going to be looking to pounce on Chelsea while they're kind of like in this weird um, like purgatory area uh, in between bad and good form. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I actually do think Chelsea win here. I think Chelsea batter uh, Fulham. And unfortunately, I, while I said earlier, it would be nice for Fulham to come up and take like a spot like Brighton does i don't think this is the game that they do it i think chelsea win like three one i think they put a lot past fulham here uh if you go by form chelsea's only got one win in their last five whereas fulham in their last five they got five straight draws oh uh, head to head wise chelsea is this match chelsea's 117 uh they've drawn 10 times and fulham has only come the has come out the victor once okay so it is at fulham not really a big deal. It's, they're both West London clubs, so it's not very far of a journey for Chelsea. But I do think Chelsea gets the result here. If they continue to drop points, uh, they're going to get leaped by Arsenal this week, I would say, and West Ham as well, which will put them in the bottom half of the table. Mm. Frank's job is starting to become on the line, which is kind of ridiculous. But if he's sitting in this 8th to 10th area, for a couple more weeks, there's going to be a lot of issues. Yeah. So I do think this is the week that they get uh, a much-needed win. It'll put them back in the mix with all the big boys. So I think Chelsea wins here. I'd say one nothing, just due to how their form is. Okay. 
Uh, Matt and I are both on Chelsea here. Next game, Leicester City versus Southampton. Probably, it's not game of the week for me. It's probably second game of the week. Uh, the one I'm I'm most second excited for, however the fuck you're supposed to say that. Um, I think, are, are Leicester the favorite here? I don't have the uh, lines in front of me. Yeah. Okay, so, so Leicester are the favorite here. Um, oh, this is a really tough one. I could see this game actually ending in a draw, maybe a 1-1 or a 2-2 draw. Yeah. Uh, it, it all depends on what type of lineup Leicester put forward. If they have a more defensive midfield here, then, then obviously I think it'll be more low scoring. Uh, Southampton really kind of play in the middle of the park as well. So this will be definitely a, a, a battle that's won in, within the, the center circle. Uh, we'll have to see. I guess... I'm actually just going to say draw. I think this game is a draw. I don't know if it's 1-1 or 2-2 or nil-nil. I have no idea, but I don't think that... I think these teams are so close together in their performance that I can't in good conscience say either one will win. Yeah, right now it's saying Danny Ings is going to be out with illness. Definitely a draw then. He's not out there, so their attacking form is going to rely on um, Thea Wolcott and Shane Long. Che Adams has kind of vanished of recently too, so their strike force is looking pretty thin. Uh, Leicester, on the other hand, probably full force. I I would give the edge to Leicester Leicester here. Yeah, I I think that's fair. And with a win here, that keeps them in the top four race. So I'm going to go with a Leicester win. Okay. I'm going to stick to draw, but I can definitely see Leicester yeah, winning. If, that's fair. If you had, Southampton are structured well better in the if, back. If you had a gun to my head I would, I, and made me pick a team, I'd go with Leicester. But we're, let's, we'll see. I never picked draw, so let's see how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, next game, Sheffield versus Tottenham. Tottenham oh, win. Jesus Tottenham Christ. win. This is a bloodbath. It has to be. I don't think it's going to be high scoring, but I think that Sheffield would get absolutely murdered. I think this is a high-scoring game. I think Tottenham wins by at least three here. Oh, um, I don't know. I, Sheffield's coming off a huge high, whereas <laughs> Tottenham dropped points, that 1-1 draw. I think they were very... Um, what's the word? They were very like lax coming off that pounding of Marine, mm-hmm. uh, which game didn't really matter. You saw Deli Alley get minutes in there and play good. That's how but, you know um, it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think Tottenham wins big here. They haven't they haven't gotten a big spanking in a while, so I think this would be the week to get their their due. They're they're due for a absolutely clap fest. Yeah. All right, we'll both go Tottenham. Tottenham money line here. Then I think that's really all we have to say. Uh, next game: Liverpool versus Manchester United. Game of the week: Liverpool win. Oh, this this is tasty. Really? really oh, think- yeah. Yeah, I actually do. I, I'm telling you, th- this United team is pretenders. When when it comes to it, I mean, they got knocked out of the, the Champions League. Like, they can't get it done when it matters. Uh, I just know it. There's no way they win the Prem this, this year. Anybody that thinks they are, you're on fucking drugs. Yeah, and that's, a, that's what a lot of people say. I think this is going to be a very dirty game. Yeah, this for sure. Probably the most heated uh, rivalry up there with the Manchester Derby. Um it is at Anfield, so that gives heavy heavy tilt towards Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Odds wise, Liverpool is minus one hundred five to United's plus two hundred and sixty. Yep, um, pretty fair odds. Uh, if I don't know, I just have a big question on the center backs. Yeah, at Liverpool. I don't know what we're gonna get. If it's gonna be Max Phillips, if they're gonna go with Fabinho, if they're gonna throw Hendo back there, I doubt they're gonna do that. Um, they the center back has been their main issue this year. There's still talks that Van Dyke's going to come back by the end of next month. He could, which which would play massive for them in the in the league and the Champions League if they're still involved in that. Um, uh, Europa. Oh, what do you mean, Liverpool? Oh, Liverpool. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No, United's defense been looking solid. Baye has put in great roles, uh, get great shifts, I should say. Maguire as well. The defensively, they've looked great. I see this as a low-scoring game. Um, I don't know. I can't decide. I'm going to say it's going to be a draw. I think it, it will be a draw here. Okay. Both defenses. Well, I shouldn't say that. Man United's defense has upheld well, um, whereas their attacking has been inconsistent. Uh, that's where I'm basing my bet is mainly off United. I don't know really what to expect with Liverpool. 
uh, Sala and Mane have not looked good of recently. Mm-mm. Back-to-back terrible games with um, the draw to Newcastle and the loss to Southampton and also a draw against West Brom. So City, the last three, I mean, City, Liverpool, the last three games have been uncharacteristic uh, to themselves. Mm-hmm. And in a huge rivalry game, they're going to be wanting to do all these things, but I don't think it's going to come to fruition. I think a draw is fair here. I, I think that that could happen as well, but <clears throat> I think Liverpool, and especially Salah and and um, Sadio Mane, are, are looking to show everyone that they, they aren't you know, washed and, and tired. And um, I think Klopp knows that they need this very, very bad right now because people are starting to question his tactics and his ability as well, especially in English media. Um, and I just think that, that Liverpool throw a ton forward here. If they're not already winning by halftime, they throw a ton forward in the second half. Uh, and I think that they're going to be able to expose that United defense while they have been solid the past couple of weeks. I, I just don't know if they're if they're fully there yet. Um, this could be a win or a draw for Liverpool. I think win or draw is actually a really safe bet. Uh, if you're looking to put a bunch on, I think that that that's fair. Um, but we'll have to see. Another another dynamic will be interesting is the managers. Yeah, uh, Klopp as of recently has been the main leader in the talks of the VAR penalty scandals mm-hmm. to to United. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how the officiating crew does on the day. Um, it'll be very controversial if United gets a penalty. Oh yeah, but um, it'll it'll make the game that much more better. So I'm really excited to see how this goes. Yeah, uh, second to last game, Man City versus Crystal Palace. This game kicks off at two fifteen. City are heavy favorites here. I think they're deservedly heavy favorites, and I think that they uh slot at least two past crystal palace here palace may get one one back um in the in the the dying embers but i think that that city get at least two or three and and they walk away with three points yeah palace right for me right now are in form to fall to that relegation battle yeah um they do have the star quality of zaha and uh uprising with Eze. Um, he had his scan. His uh, he got in trouble for going to the QPR FA Cup game over the weekend yeah. with uh, COVID restrictions, but he still did play. So they do have a couple guys that can get can get the ball rolling, but their defense for me is a very big weak point. They did play well, you could say, against Arsenal, but Man City is just another level, man. It's just there's nothing you can do to stop them they always find a way to expose you there was one ball over the weekend that De Bruyne slipped through five people and He's so the last fullback so cleared it luckily but they just have guys that can annihilate you so I think City win this game easily I think they can win this game by at least four but I'm gonna say on the safe side it's a three a three one win okay yeah I, I think that's that's pretty much where I sit as well so both Gilman City win uh, last game, I'm not going to have a lot to say about this, um, but I think that Arsenal do win. They're playing Newcastle. Uh, this game takes place on the 18th at 3 p.m. They beat Newcastle in the FA Cup. Uh, wasn't convincing for the first 90, but they managed to get it done in extra time. Uh, I think, again, that, that we get we get the best of Newcastle. Uh, I think it'll be done, obviously, in, in the first 90. If we're going to win, that's where it has to be done. And uh, I think that we get an early goal here, maybe from Saka, maybe from Smith-Rowe, who has been impressing me. Um, and, and I think that, that Newcastle walk away from this game empty-handed. You? Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, history of this, Arsenal's played Newcastle 50 times. In those 50 times, they've had 25 clean sheets. Uh, they scored double what Newcastle does. And the last time they played each other, Arsenal won 4 nothing. Uh, Mezzadoza was on the score sheet. Um, I think Arsenal do win this game. I think it's pretty low. Newcastle's all been consistently coming out in a five-four-one. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know if <laughs> I don't uh, know why either. Steve Bruce has no faith in his guys going forward. Uh, he stopped playing two up top. He usually did Wilson Jolington up there, but as of recently, pulled back from that. Yep. Uh, their wing backs are poor. Their best 
player in the back has been Yedlin. He's been playing decently. And uh, Shar, their center back. Mm-hmm. And Darlow stepped up in goal. But they attacking-wise, they have nothing creative going forward. I think this is an easy game for Arsenal to control and manage. And this is a big wake-up call for Aubameyang. I think this is a breakout game for him to realize, uh, or not to realize, but to remember the form he's had last year and the year before. So I think Arsenal win this game easy. Okay. That rounds off our predictions for the week. We just hit 60 minutes right on the nose. Um, That's my cue to go. Matt, is there anything else you wanted to talk about here or no? Nope, we covered everything else that I wanted to talk about at the beginning. Uh, Make sure you guys follow us at Post20Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Also, if you're watching this right now on your YouTube channel, click that red subscribe button. Hit the notification bell right next to it so you're notified whenever we post new content. And make sure you're following and listening to our other streaming platforms if you like the audio versions, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. All right. Yep, that's it. Thank you guys for watching as always, and we will see you next time.